The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Up, episode 859 for Monday, March 1st, 2021. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in all your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We do our best to answer your questions, and then we share your tips, we share your cool stuff found, we share our cool stuff found. The goal is for each and every one of us to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include helixsleep.com slash mgg, candidco.com slash mgg, mintmobile.com slash mgg, and headspace.com slash mgg. Check out all of those shortly. Uh, you check out all of those, and shortly we'll talk about all of those in slightly more in-depth. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I am Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is... John F. Braun? How are, are you John F. Braun? Do we know that for sure? <laughs> I think so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I mean, I'm just asking, I, you know, no one, mm -hmm. no one really knows. So, uh, we have all kinds of stuff to go through today. We've got, we do have so, uh, some great quick tips, uh, a plethora, a whole host, a gaggle of cool stuff found. And then your questions, including some questions about traveling this summer and how tech might actually help make that a little bit better and some fun with NFC. So yeah, lots to do. The, um, the first thing I want to do though, John, I want to break form a little bit. I want to talk about our sponsor text expander because I've been using text expander so much lately. Uh, you may have noticed that we are hiring for a publicist producer here. We've been getting lots of, resumes and inquiries in via LinkedIn. And I want people to ask, uh, answer some questions for us. And so I use text expander because what text expander lets me do is have a little snippet of text that I put wherever I want to put this snippet. And it, it it's, I store it in text expander. And then whenever I am in the midst of replying to someone, I just invoke it either with a click of a mouse or typing uh, you know, like for this one, it's a series of questions about the job. So it's J O B Q and then boom, it spits out this whole perfectly formatted thing. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to proofread it because I've already done that once. And that's the beauty of text expander is that you get to do this stuff once and then it's perfect. And you store it in text expander. It syncs to all my devices. It can sync to all my team's devices. If I want, it's excellent. And because you are a listener of Mac Geek Gab, you get, this is going to be great. You're going to love this. You get 20% off for your first year by going to textexpander.com slash podcast. So you got to check this out. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more. And our thanks to Text Expander for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's get to, uh, let's get to some quick tips, shall we, John? Indeed. Indeed. All right. Listener David is going to kick us off as soon as I can pull up listener David's. You know, they. I'm using Evernote. We use Evernote. And because we use AppleScript with Evernote, we have to use Evernote Legacy. And I switched to Evernote Legacy as opposed to just running the old version of Evernote. 
And the icon changed from a green icon to a gray icon and I lose it all the time. So I need to figure this. I need to figure this out. But, uh, but anyway, uh, listener, David, I, I swear I will have it up here. Why is this? Why is it not giving me what I want? What's happening here? Okay. There we are because David's got a good one. He says, um, while working, to do the remote schooling with my grandkids, emailing PDFs of their assignments has become paramount. But this isn't so easy when you're on an iPad. He says, I've tried some of the apps, Printer Pro, Scanner Pro, Notes, Files, and they work. But it adds a lot of steps for an 8 or 12-year-old to figure out how to do on a daily basis. However, what I found was that Apple has a built-in way to do PDFs that's not at all intuitive, but it's right there in plain sight. If you need a PDF of anything... Touch the share icon and then print. When the print preview shows up, use the blowout. So zoom out gesture with your fingers, uh, multiple fingers uh, close, then expand them outward. Outward. Uh, do that on the preview image, and when it expands outward, it sort of takes up the whole screen. Now touch the share again, and now there is an option to save to files or share elsewhere. And from this point, whatever you are sharing is a PDF because the print preview itself is generated as a PDF inside the OS. So now you have a PDF that you can go and do whatever you want. So he says it's similar to the well-hidden scan features, uh, but this one isn't labeled at all. You're totally right, David. So great quick tip. Thank you, sir. Good stuff. Thoughts on that, John, before we move to Scott? Moving on to Scott. Moving on to Scott. All right, Scott. Uh, brings us a great one. He says, no matter how many tabs you have open in Safari, hitting command nine will take you to the rightmost tab in that frontmost window. It's a fast way to get to the tab furthest away. He says, I have 12 tabs pinned, so there are always about 15 to 20 tabs open when I'm working. This shortcut comes in handy often. Uh, and he says, as a bonus tip, uh, not a single non-geek Safari user I know uses Pinned tabs. Pinning a tab makes it a permanent fixture until you unpin it in your Safari window uh, so that your favorite or most accessed websites are always there. When you open a new window, right there they are. Uh, yeah, tab pinned tabs in Safari is life-changing. I have pinned tabs for Google Docs, uh, for my Synology Drive, which is my Synology Docs. Uh, I have it for the current, like in progress. So this is show 859. So I have a pin tab for show 860 in my browser so that whenever anything comes up, I can just go right to that 860 tab and uh, and populate, you know, add like your question or your tip or whatever, right to the in progress agenda. And then, of course, you know, on whatever Sunday mornings or whenever we prep the show, I I unpin that tab and I pin the, you know, the the next one in line. So, yeah, those pin tabs are great. I uh, super time saver. Yeah, it's good. I wish pinned tabs would sync like bookmarks across iCloud. They do not. So bear that in mind, too. That would be super handy if they did. Maybe they don't No, not for me, not for me. I, I, it, could, uh, it could just be me. I know bookmarks do bookmarks, of course do, but pin tabs for me do not sync across iCloud. So in that, when I go hmm. to a tab, when I open a new browser window on a, a new machine, it like it's the, it's that machine's tabs or that user account on that machine's tabs. So, yes. Okay. Cause yeah, like you, I got the uh, chapter and timestamp document pinned because the url is ridiculous 
Oh, so the chapter and timestamp document I do differently. I do that with, and I can't remember which app it is, the Unite browser um, from uh, BZG apps. So that I have running as a separate app, um, which is cool. Yeah. But otherwise, yes, I would have it pinned as a tab for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. But you can, yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's uh, this chapters and timestamps document is one that we, uh, that we use live while we're doing the show. So everybody at live.macgeekab.com can actually join in and see the agenda and even help us get links in there and stuff. And so far we haven't had anybody, you know, put bad things in there while we're trying to do the show. So that's good. <laughs> the permissions remain open. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Cool. All right. Time to move on to cool stuff found John. Sure. Okay, cool. Uh, the first one, I mean, I just gave one with unite browser. Uh, the first one that I have is from hyperbolic software, uh, who makes lots of things like tidy up is, is one of them that helps you find duplicates, right? Well, they have an app now called umbrella that they say prevention is better than the cure. And this looks for duplicates in real time. So it will report dupes to you the moment they're created. Uh, and it's, it's just right there. It can live in your menu bar. So um, and I think it is, uh, I forget how much it is. I should have put that down in the show notes, but I did not. It is not free, but I, it's not terribly expensive. Uh, so I'm, I'm finding it here, John. Uh, th- a one computer license is 20 bucks. So there you go. There you go. Fun stuff. Well, you know, what do you got, Mr. Braun? Ah, so I noticed something new on my, uh, my setup. Um, so I was in, uh, I was playing back a uh, video. Um, <clears throat> I think it was a uh, YouTube, a YouTube yeah. video. And uh, there's a, a menu that you can click on and it'll show you your airplay destinations. And so sure. I had something that I wanted to send to my uh, LG 4K HDR LED UHD TV. And when I clicked on the menu, it showed JB MacBook Pro, which is the machine. LG WebOS TV UK 6090 PUA. And I'm like, wait a second, that wasn't there before. And then two other devices. Uh, apparently, uh, in the last software update, LG added AirPlay 2. So that's excellent. They so, said they were going to so, do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, so it's kind of handy. It's we been have, a little wonky though. It it worked the first I tried it. Now it times out and it says it can't talk to it. So I don't know. I mean you. I mean they say you have to be on the same network, which my TV is. So right. I don't know why it's acting up. That's but, is your TV. Yeah, it can be handy. Ethernet or Wi-Fi. Uh, Wi-Fi. So it should. I mean, it sees it. I mean, it lists it. So it obviously sees it. I, I, you have a, you have an Eero down where your mm-hmm. TV is, right? So you could plug your mm-hmm. TV Ethernet into that Eero, right? Yeah, I could try that and see if it's better. Because our twenty, our twenty twenty LG TV is, uh, it came with AirPlay too. You know, it it out of the out of the box and that is the most reliable airplay two device that we've or airplay device we've ever had uh it you know it just works every time whereas our apple tv is is flaky like you described yeah 
Yeah. Okay. Now I'm looking in the Eero app, and yes, yeah, so my Apple TV and LG TV are on uh, are on Wi-Fi, and my TiVo is on Ethernet. So try Etherneting. I would Ethernet both of them in. I mean, why have extra Wi-Fi yeah. traffic, right? If you've got a, mm-hmm. a the thing right there, just you know, plug them all mm-hmm. in. You've got a switch, so plug them into your switch. Plug the switch mm-hmm. into the Eero. You're good to go. Uh, John, I have. It, it, this has been a monumental week for me because I have stopped using my realistic clock radio <laughs> that I've had by my bed since probably before I met you. And we've known each other a really long time. Like there was a there was a T.E.E.N. At the at the at the spelling of my age when we met, so mm-hmm. I've had this thing for a really long time, and uh, it, I mean it's fine. It's just more than I need right now because like other things do a lot of those jobs. But I do like having a clock that I can just look at while I'm sleeping, and uh, mm-hmm. and I don't want that to always necessarily be my Apple Watch. Although maybe I should just move into the future. Uh, but I am using the iHome Time Boost. Which and and I've checked out a couple of these. They they have a a few of these uh, in a in a variety of ways. But it's a great little thing. It it's a Bluetooth speaker. It's an alarm. It's a a clock so that you can you know you see the the um you, know, you can see the time and you can of course set the brightness of the time, which is really nice. And it's a Qi pad on top of the thing, so I can just lay my phone on it and it charges while I sleep. So, uh, so there you go. Bluetooth stereo alarm clock. Yeah. Fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I also have, yeah. From when I grew up at home, I, yeah. I still have an old, uh, GE, um, alarm clock and it has a radio in it though. As of late, um, what I've been doing to listen to the radio, sometimes I'll do that to lull me to sleep is, sure. um, if you don't know this little tip here, uh, the a lady, um, will play uh, radio stations. Huh. huh? Right? Yeah. So I say A-Lady, BBC, or A-Lady, uh, you know, wh- whatever station I want to listen to. It's, uh, it's pretty handy. Yeah, that's pretty good. Huh. Yeah, cool. Cool. All right, what do you got next? Cool stuff's found, right? Still, yes, of course. Ah, yes, okay. So uh, Dr. Bob sent in something that uh, looks, um, I don't know if it's one charge to rule them all, but it, it has lots of stuff in it. So, oh, um, to answer our geek challenge. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, so let's see. It's a, a Skosh Base Links Kit Pro. So let's see what it has here. And it's like, yeah, like a component system. There's like uh, various pieces that all plug into one another here. I think you can actually build, you, you can add more modules. But uh, right. so let's see. So wireless charging pad, a watch charger, uh, MFI certified vertical charging station, uh, one USB-C port, two USB-A ports. Um, I think that's about it. Um, not cheap. Uh, two oh nine ninety six. They listed okay. on their site, though maybe you can get it for less. Uh, and I think they have a lower end model, but um, but it looks like a, a cool approach. That's pretty cool, huh? That's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, right. Plugging these in, you get to pick what you want. Now you've got that one charger to rule them all because it's it's purpose built for you. I like it. I like it. Cool. 
Uh, let's see. Gideon sent in uh, a cool stuff found photo P uh, P H O T O P E A, which is an online Photoshop. Uh, it's an online, it, a web based image editor for free. So if you want to do image editing, AKA Photoshop type stuff, it's basically a, you know, free Photoshop clone ish. So thanks for sending that in Gideon. Good stuff. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Of course. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. You got something else, John? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Joe has something else here. So, uh, um, so I think someone had sent in a challenge saying, Hey, is there any way, um, or I think he was scratching his head over this and then we presented it as a geek challenge, but is there any way to set the maximum percentage that your battery will charge to, um, because most people acknowledge the fact that you sh- probably shouldn't charge all the way up and let it run all the way down. So is there something that will prevent it from oh, charging all the way up? I see what you're saying. Like it, it shouldn't stay at a hundred and it shouldn't be at zero. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I think the recommendation of the, the guy who wrote this tool, so it's called Al Dente. And uh, basically <laughs> cool. once you install it, um, you can set the maximum charge and, and a few other options. Huh? Cool. Yeah. So it, re- it reprograms the, uh, the SMC. Oh, I was wondering how it worked. Okay. Huh? Yeah. That's and the, the setup is a little weird, but he, but he has a video that goes through what, what you have to do. You get some weird warnings and stuff like that and installs a helper tool because to get to the SMC, you need uh, admin and, and all that great stuff. But, um, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so I tried it and it seems to do what it advertises, you know, and you get a little slider uh, to set the voltage um or, or the percentage. Um if you're going to remove it though, um you're going to either you want to be sure if you, if you remove it, which I did, that you set the percentage back to 100 if you want things to act oh. as they did before or reset the SMC. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Which is what I eventually, because what happened is, is yeah, I removed it. And then all of a sudden I noticed my machine would like stop, like it wouldn't charge all the way up. And I'm like, well, why not? I removed the tool. So, right. I wonder if it works on M1 with, since those don't, uh, have, yes, it does. Okay. Cause they don't have an SMC. So I, right, right. I, yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right, cool. Uh, let's see. Elliot has a, uh, cool stuff found for us. Let me put that over here. And, uh, Elliot tells us, uh, it, it, it involves better touch tool. And he says the newest upgrade to better touch tool incorporates the ability to set up a hyper key shortcut, which, uh, in which caps lock sends control option shift command along with whatever key you press. So this gives me a new family of keyboard shortcuts, which I can use as my go-to launchers. Just as one example, Caps Lock S now launches Safari. You can configure the command option shift com- or control option shift command key shortcuts anywhere you like. For instance, Keyboard Maestro, 
But the best way to do it is within Better Touch Tool itself. Shortcuts in Better Touch Tool can do a, an amazing variety of actions such as touch bar functions, mouse clicks and moves, etc., etc. The muscle memory is really baked in now, and by far it is the easiest way to launch stuff. I like this. Yeah, caps lock. The oft-unused key can be repurposed. So very cool. Thanks, Elliot. I like it. Good stuff. Do you use Better Touch Tool on your uh, on your touch bar equipped uh, oh, machine? absolutely. Oh, yeah, really? Okay. And not only do I, but I use, uh, uh, there, there's an add-on which actually makes it useful. It's, I guess, a bunch of scripts, but um, something called Golden Chaos. Right. We talked about it on the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I will put Yeah, that. it gives you a charging status, the weather, um, uh, a clipboard manager, yep. believe it or not. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, because mo most people would acknowledge that the the apple's implementation without customization is not terribly useful but this makes right. it actually quite useful that's great ah very cool i mean the touch bar is i mean the touch bar is actually its own little computer right i think it is it like it runs ios or something like in its own weird way yeah 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 mm -hmm. yeah cool all right. Uh, I want to take a minute and talk about our next two sponsors. And then we got even more cool stuff found on the way. Sound good to you, Mr. Braun? Awesome. All right. First up here is there Candid. Are you unhappy with your smile? Because you don't have to be. Thousands of people have used Candid, which is this clear, comfortable, removable, and practically invisible aligners that help straighten your teeth. And now... They love their smiles. Very, very cool stuff. In fact, they sent us some customer stories here. Cameron in Nashville says, once I started Candid, my life completely changed. I started going to the gym more. I started eating better. I even have better dental hygiene. My goal for my wedding was perfect teeth and Candid got me there. There's no comparison. And your treatment is prescribed and closely monitored by remotely which is good, by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in this, right? You have the same quality of care as you get from an in-office orthodontist from the comfort and convenience and safety of your own home. And while other companies use general dentists, Candid truly only works with orthodontists. And the same one that created your plan is the one that you work with start to finish, so it's all good. The average Candid treatment is just six months, and you'll start seeing results way before then, and it costs thousands less than traditional braces. You've got to check this out and you can become your best you and start straightening your teeth today. Right now you can save $75 on Candid Starter Kit. Go to candidco.com slash MGG and use code MGG. That's candidco, so C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O dot com slash MGG, code MGG. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save 75 bucks on your starter kit. Candidco.com slash MGG, code MGG. And our thanks to Candid for sponsoring this episode. Next up is Headspace. I love meditation. I, I go on and off with it. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest. It is not a practice that I have kept up with for 30 years, but I definitely use it. And then, you know, I kind of fall out of practice and then back into practice and that's okay. And Headspace has really helped me stay in practice because it's this little pocket sized guide that helps me focus. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace truly can change your life because it's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations 
in an app on your phone. You can do it on your computer too. Don't get me wrong. But having it on my phone is super easy because it's one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. They've got like 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, over 60 million downloads. Very cool stuff. And you can pick what kinds of meditations you do. 10 minutes is, is a good sort of average, but if you've only got three minutes, they've got this little SOS meditation for you. If you've got kids, you can actually do a meditation with your kids, or you can do one after your kids go to sleep or before they wake up. If you want to have a little moment to yourself, maybe. Uh, it's great. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash MGG. Again, that's headspace.com slash MGG. And that's where you get a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal they're offering right now. So go to headspace.com slash MGG today and our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, I have been messing with switches, smart switches. So you started me down this path, my friend, and I can't thank you enough. In fact, the only comment I have is, why did you let me wait so long? Uh, but I have, I have had, because my network is so much more reliable running smart switches. Uh, I run six switches in my setup because I've got two buildings. Uh, I've got uh, two right now in the house, but they're in the office, but really I only need one. Uh, and then I've got, you know, a bunch in the house. So I, I could probably be at four, not six, but, uh, but in the house, I definitely need three in uh in three key locations and i would routinely have just weird network issues that often were just solved by rebooting one of my dumb aka inexpensive aka cheap and worth it switches uh but i've been playing with uh with lots of new switches and one of them that i've looked at recently is the trendnet uh edge smart switches so uh i have the eight port uh, edge smart switch it's got power over ethernet in it it has uh the web interface for this I, it, so i've i've checked out trendnet i've checked out tp link which i'll talk in a about in a second and d link which we've talked about before and the web interfaces for these are all basically the same uh they aren't um you know they once you sort of understand what you're trying to do with them all the features are there. It, it's, you know, the, the, the reality is you're not going to spend a lot of time in there. You're going to set them up and then off you go. Uh, but the, uh, the TrendNet one has, has been great. It's reliable. And it has STP, uh, Spanning Tree Protocol Support, and PortFast, which I find to be a, an important thing if you're running any sort of um, meshing type of equipment that might be plugged into different switches. Uh, this is somewhat true with your mesh Wi-Fi networks, especially if you're using Ethernet backhaul. It is definitely true with things like Sonos and other things that create a mesh. You'd want your switches to be able to speak this language of spanning tree protocol or rapid spanning tree protocol. And then PortFast, which is uh, part of spanning tree. The idea is what spanning tree protocol does is it helps. It doesn't help it. It it allows the devices on the network to decide how to deal with potential network loops. And 
the way it does it is by sending packets around. And if it sees its own packet come back on a different interface, it knows, aha, there's a loop there. We should block packets from that, uh, that section. So that's what spanning tree protocol does. It does it very well. As long as everything speaks that language and having your switches speak that language, it turns out I'm finding is a valuable thing. Portfast is a way of telling your switch whether you have just one device or a segment of your network on each port on your switch. So port fast, you would say, yes, this, like if I plug my iMac into a switch, I would call it an edge port and it would negotiate that much faster and let that come online much faster than it would a network port where it's going to listen first before it lets it online so that it doesn't just have this flood of looping traffic with, like I said, with, you know, with, with like Eero or any of the various meshes that I test plus Sonos here, uh, there, there's no question that having spanning tree protocol and port faster there. So an eight port switch from, uh, from TrendNet is 99 bucks on an eight port edge smart switch, 99 bucks on, uh, on Amazon. The TP link switch that I'm looking at is very similar to the TP link switch you have, John. Mine is the 16 port easy smart switch. And of course links in the show notes for all these. That's only 80 bucks on Amazon, for a 16 port switch versus 99 for an eight port switch. But the difference is the TP link doesn't have spanning tree protocol. So I, I, for my setup, I would not be because I have multiple switches and meshing things that have the potential to send data around. I would not recommend it for that kind of setup, but for your setup, a TP link switch that the TP links, uh, what do they call it? Easy smart switches are perfect because you can save a little bit of money. You get all the smart switching features. It has its own sort of internal loopback detection, which is great. And, uh, and you don't need STP, so you don't have to pay for it. So yeah, pretty good stuff. The, uh, the D link 16 port switch that has STP and fort pass fort past port fast is 110 bucks. So, you know, there you go. So links for all of these in the show notes, but switching fun. I don't know. There you go. Thoughts on any of that, Mr. Braun? No, I'm, uh, I'm happy with it. Yeah. All the little features there, priority and cable has a cable test. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is that it has port, port statistics that show transmitted packets, received packets on each port and stuff like that. Um, whatever data it's reporting is, is wrong. <laughs> huh? Okay. All right. I wonder Well, in that. So, so there's a transmit good packet column, a transmit bad packet column, a receive good packet and receive bad packet. One, like the numbers in my received bad packet are huge and I don't really think they're bad packets. Maybe they are. Okay. Yeah. So I find it kind of hard to believe that that's happening on, you know, a very short cable run. And also some of the numbers are negative. So I don't oh. think they're doing their math right. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure how you send a negative number of packets. <laughs> well, maybe they're just thinking about like, the, the nature of the packets themselves, John. Like these, these are good, positive packets. And this data is sort of bad, negative data. Maybe that's what they mean. Well, I don't know. It seems interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. 
Yeah, but like one of the things that it supports is um, uh, link aggregation. There's a special link aggregation mode where yep. you can bond all of these ports together that. and certain yeah. other devices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all these features John is talking um, about are in the web interfaces of all of these smart switches. And this is really sort of the the differentiator uh, between a, a smart switch and a, and a non-smart switch where it you get, A, you get all this data, but also you get a switch that's actually paying a little bit more attention, uh, you know, and, and that alone seems to have made a big difference mm -hmm. for me. So, yeah, cool. John, I attended um, uh, uh, Showstoppers, I think it was, last week. And there were two things I saw. The first was from a company called Hoverclam. Hoverclam? Hovercam. It's, man, we're having trouble speaking today. It's eGlass. So, you know, you're on a Zoom call and you want to use like the whiteboard function or something. And now you're trying to do that, but you're looking off to the side and, and you're trying to like make it all work and it's not happening. Well, Hovercams, Hovercams eGlass. I really want to call this company Hoverclam. Uh, so Hoverclams eGlass, uh, it puts the camera behind a 35-inch piece of glass that you can draw on with like dry erase markers, and it it flips the image so that what you draw appears the right way to the person on the other end. So teaching a class or showing hosting a seminar or whatever. It's all built right in here. You can look at, not only can you look at the people that you're talking to, but when you look and point at a thing on your screen, you're looking at it. It draws people's attention to it. So I thought that it was a pretty cool thing. It's it's not cheap. I think it's a couple grand, but uh, for classrooms and things like that, it's just cool tech, which is why we do cool stuff found. That's, you know, there you go. And then the, um, the next thing that I saw at Showstoppers, John, was a thing called the Go Donut universal phone tablet stand and it is literally a piece of molded something plastic of sorts and it uh it has it's a circle which is why they call it the donut and it's got um uh, like sort of cutouts in it to hold your phone at an angle or your ipad at an angle uh i think you can even use uh, two of these and hold up a laptop or something so it's perfect for those moments where you want to like do a video conference or something from your phone or your iPad and it just boom, it holds it up or watch a show, bring this on the airplane. Right. And now you can, when you can get on an airplane again and, uh, and now you can watch a, uh, you know, a movie with, without having to have an iPad stand that, or an iPad case that flips into a stand that's going to be sort of, you know, flimsy anyway, this thing just holds it in place and you are good to go. So, uh, so yeah, the go donut. So fun. I love finding out about new stuff. Anything on either of those? Nope. Okay. No, we're good. Um, and then here's the next part of our show we call not cool stuff found. Uh-oh. So get a call from my mom and she's like, yeah, the computer's not working. I'm like, uh, okay, what, what what's happening? This was uh, the computer. Wait, wait, because catch us up here. This was the computer that you just replaced the SSD in, right? No. Oh, okay. Didn't you just? Uh, uh, I'll explain. Okay, go ahead. You uh, talked let about. Let me explain what I did. Great. I just can't because you talked yes, about this let, computer last episode, right? Yes. Let me talk. Okay. Yes. Go. <laughs> I just. I, you sounded like you started in the middle of the story. I wanted to catch people up that didn't hear last week. All right. The machine failed. Um, she tried to restart, and the progress bar would get almost all the way to the end, and it would never 
get to the operating system. Got it. So I'm like, okay, um, let's boot into recovery and run disk first aid. Ran disk first aid. Disk first aid was like, yep, everything's great. I'm like, hmm, yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> and disk utility said smart status verified, which was a lie, as I'll explain. So then I went over and here, here's what I did to save the day. And it did save the day. So I brought an external SSD with me. I then booted into recovery, installed the OS onto the external SSD, and then booted from that and sucked the data out of the what turned out to be a failing hard drive. Got it. Um, so that got her up and running again and it was, it was working fine, but it, it was an old machine. I'm like, yeah, you should get a new one. As it turns out, this is a 2012, uh, iMac Dave. So oh. that's a good run, doesn't, right? Doesn't owe her Eight anything. Years. Yep. Yep. Right. And went to the refurb, refurb store and I got her, a, a 2019, uh, iMac, same, same screen size. She's happy with that. Um, I think I got it with eight gigs of Ram and a five twelve gig uh, SSD, which for what she does is, is fine. So, right. um, but then I wanted to do a postmortem, Dave. So I brought it, I brought it home with me. Um, I have a USB C to a uh, Thunderbolt, um, cable booted the machine into target disc mode, which, you know, you hold down T when you're booting it. And then I hooked it up to my MacBook Pro, which has various handy utilities on it. So as soon as the drive got plugged in, Tech Tool Pro came up and said, whoa, this hard drive's toast. <laughs> um, so that's one nice thing that a Tech Tool uh, Pro does. And actually, I got to upgrade the version, huh. uh, my version of it. Um, and then I ran Drive DX, and it came up and said, advanced smart status, failing. Overall health rating, 85 point three percent and um basically it also said yeah you're the the drive is toast wow huh huh but i have a report i mean the um yeah i mean and drive dx tells you all sorts of interesting things like let me see one thing it mentioned here which which kind of shocked me that actually shouldn't have uh let's See power on hours ten thousand six hundred sixty three. That's a lot of hours. <laughs> um, and the one thing that uh they they pointed out that is that means like you know things are horrible. It's uh something called current pending sector count, which I think means that it uh, the, things are failing and it hasn't yet reallocated them. So I oh guess that's what happened to it. Oh yeah, that's bad. That's not good. So, um, but the new machine, um, I think this was on High Sierra. I upgraded her to that. And then the, the refurb came with Catalina. Um, and a few things that did were on a old machine didn't work anymore. Did you bump her up to Big Sur or no? Uh, no. Why not? I, I'm just curious why. Like, what was your, why wouldn't you? It, it, you know, just for people who are listening. Uh, um, because it shipped. It didn't ship with it. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't see a compelling reason to um, to upgrade it to Big Sur. Maybe I will the next time I'm there. I just didn't see any reason to to change it. I just yeah, wanna, from a like you from know, a, once she's up and running and everything, I, I want I want to make sure that everything you know works as it did in the past before I, I go to that next step. I don't want to, you know, 
if I were mm, doing change this with too a, many variables at once, well, that's sort of the thing, right? Is you don't want to change too many variables, but you also don't want to change more in the future if you don't have to. And if she's going from high Sierra mm -hmm. to something not high Sierra, my feeling would be let's get mm -hmm. you like, let's start you at the most current so that there's not this second wave of a learning curve going from Catalina to Big Sur. Um, I, if it were a customer, mm -hmm. I probably would have just bumped it to Big Sur so that it's like, okay, clean slate. Here we go. And now you're current and moving forward and, and all of that. Cause I find, I find Big Sur quite stable mm -hmm. for, you know, for almost everything. So I'm, I'm close to being ready to upgrade the studio computer to Big Sur, which is, you know, kind of an exciting thought. Cause then I can use like Thunderbolt hubbing and things that Catalina won't let me do. So. Yeah. Cool. That's great. That's great. I'm yeah. Glad. It was just, there was, there was already some apps that had a line through them by upgrading to, you know, what OS this machine shipped with. And I didn't want to disable even more apps by going to big Sur because I've had to deal with that as well. So sure. Yeah. Although big, big Sur, like Catalina was the prep for big Sur, right? So I don't think there would be anything that if it, mm -hmm. you know, like the line through it on Catalina was sort of, that's why we had Catalina was to get us to big Sur. So I think there, you probably won't see any when you, when you bounce her up, obviously you, know, you might, but I don't, I can't think of any apps that worked with Catalina that wouldn't work with big Sur in that mm -hmm. way. You know, the, the 32 bit apocalypse and, and all of that stuff. So, yeah. cool. That's great. I'm glad it works. I'm mm -hmm. curious, are you going to, um, are you going to repurpose that iMac into, you know, like a server or something or, or no? Uh, I mean, it's kind of wimpy. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Nah, and I looked, um, yeah. And getting into this thing to replace the hard drive, you, you got to cut the adhesive with this. It's not that bad. I've done those. You, you I, I need to suction. The I fix it. You need the suction drive. cups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need the suction cups to take the glass off. Um, that's not what I saw in the uh, really? in the hard drive upgrade guide for this class of machine. Oh, interesting. I thought I thought that that was just part no. Of the it. the guide for this shows yeah. You got to get a cutter and you got to cut the adhesive. It's like the 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 screen is glued onto it, and oh. I don't think interesting suction cups would be a safe. <laughs> Safe way to pull the screen. Right. Oh, no, if it's magnet, then yes. But no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This, this is, yeah. From what I could see in the repair guide, pre the pre magnet though, you're right. I guess the future machines had very powerful magnets that held the glass on there. Interesting. And, uh, Cause I've got, I've got a 20, I've done that on a 2011 iMac and it was, it was magnets, not glued, but, but these were big screen IMAX. I think these were 27. So maybe that's the difference. I don't know. Oh, earlier is magnet. Warren says, okay, got it. Got it. Thanks Warren in the chat room at live.macgeekup.com. Perfect. Yes. Fun. Yeah. I wouldn't want to cut the glue, but you could run it with an external SSD, right? Like you don't have to replace the internal drive and just forget it. Oh yeah. Well, that, that's what I did. But yeah. Yeah. But hmm. yeah. Yeah, if there's no, I don't know. The, the machines I have are are plenty. Um, right, right. Fair, fair, fair. In the not cool stuff found, but also not surprising category, uh, I, I wanted to make a moment, uh, take a moment, and mention you know Mac stock twenty twenty one. 
that happens in the, you know, North of Chicago each year is not going to happen again here in 2021, just because of the, you know, ongoing pandemic related stuff. Uh, as, as Mike, Mike Potter put a great video up about this and it's, it's worth taking the whatever 17 minutes to, to watch it. Uh, as he, as he called it, there are technical reasons or, or technical difficulties with getting together, AKA, uh, you know, all the logistical stuff that doesn't allow people to gather and travel and, and all of that. So, uh, so Mac stock moves to 2022. I think he's going to do an online Mac stock again, uh, this year. So he's got more stuff. Pay attention to that again, links in the show notes. So thanks Mike and good luck and let us know what you need. And what we're, you know, we're here for you as always, man. It's good stuff. All right. Uh, we have some tips, some follow-ups and some questions to get to perhaps not necessarily in that order, but, uh, the next thing that I want to do is talk about our next two sponsors. If that works for you, my friend. Okay. All right. You know, we record this usually on Sunday mornings and it's really important to me to be well rested so that I can come in and like be energetic and focused and able to, you know, answer all your questions and stuff. I had no idea how bad our mattress had gotten until we got our new Helix sleep mattress late last year. Because I I thought our old mattress was was still new. Like I remembered buying it. It was something that I'd bought like since we had started doing this show. But you know, mattresses wear out after a decade or so. <laughs> At least that one did. And this Helix Sleep mattress, not only is it new and of course comfortable because of that, but it really is the most comfortable mattress I've ever slept on. The the whole way that they do this is fantastic. And that's one of the reasons I'm super stoked to have them as a sponsor and to tell you about them. We took the Helix quiz, uh, both Lisa and I took it, but you can take it on behalf of your partner if you sleep with a partner uh, as well. But we both took it and we both wound up with the same mattress, which is the Helix Midnight. It's kind of their, it's their most popular one. It's, it's middle of the road, but I, you know, I don't, I hate to use that term because it's so much better than middle of the road. When you just think about mattresses in general, I tend to sleep on my side and it like has the right amount of everything. It's like soft, but still really supportive. I fall asleep right away. And really I'm getting some of the best sleep that I've had certainly in recent memory. And that also includes, you know, having gone through a pandemic here. So these folks know what they're doing and you want to check it out. If you're looking for a mattress, please go take that quiz. And then the way you do it is you go to helixsleep.com slash MGG. They say that it's a two minute quiz. I think it's going to take you a lot less time than that. And then they match you up to your mattress. They have a 10 year warranty and Helix Sleep is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners of Mac Geek Gab. But you got to go to helixsleep.com slash MGG. Make sure helixsleep.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Helix for sponsoring this episode. Next up is something else I did this past fall. I finally moved my whole family over to Mint Mobile, our next sponsor here. And I, I feel so silly for not having done this a long time ago. I mean, here I have been telling you about how great Mint Mobile is, how inexpensive it is, how well it's been working for me. And so finally, yes, we did it. The whole family is on Mint Mobile. They have their Mint family thing. And it's just 15 bucks a month per phone. And the cool part is if somebody needs more data, you, you ratchet that up, right? 
And, but you don't have to ratchet up the whole family. You just do the individual ones. And by going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes those savings on. That's how they do what they do. All the plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And yes, you get 5G speeds with this. We have tested it. You know, we're here in New Hampshire. Obviously, my son is at school out in Portland, Oregon. He says it rocks out there. He loves it. You bring your own phone. Uh, you keep your phone number and your contacts. It works with Apple's visual voicemail and all of that stuff. And of course, if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com mgg. That's mintmobile.com slash MGG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash MGG. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. All right. Well, let's, let's go to some questions here. I want to start with Ben, John. And Ben asks, my client is taking an RV trip from California to Texas and back and hoping to continue teaching music uh, online along the way. Uh, is an iPhone as a hotspot sufficient to teach on Zoom using her Mac? Are there any other sort of boosters or other hotspots that might be effective? What would you do? And I suppose that's the best way to answer this question. Um, I'd probably just use my iPhone. Uh, any other device is going to have the same dependence on local service quality. Uh, you know, of your cell signal and, and all of that uh, as the iPhone. Right. And, She's already got the iPhone. So why buy another device if you're, you know, if, if it's just going to be the same. Uh, and uh, the trick would be looking at the route, right? Figuring out where you're going, finding out the if your carrier that you currently have uh, will give the most, you know, if they, are they going to give you the most reliable service? And if not, who will? And then will they provide you enough bandwidth uh, per month for these Zoom calls? When we were... Up, uh, you know, we, this summer we did, I mean, we didn't take an RV, but we, you know, we drove to a, we rented a house in upstate Vermont and, uh, and I talked about how their, their broadband there was terrible. So my son had some zoom calls for the job that he had this summer and he wound up doing them, uh, over his phone's hotspot, which was way faster than the internet that they had up there. And I think we wound up figuring it was using about a gig an hour to do a zoom call that way. Obviously that might change if you're doing HD or not HD and you know, high density audio could also change or high def audio could also change that. But, but that's about what we found. So bear that in mind uh, when trying to calculate, you know, how much bandwidth you need. The other thing that you could do is on the, if it's a new, if it's an 11 or later, you can use the dual SIM in an iPhone to have multiple carriers if it turns out that, you know, wherever the travel route is going to take her, you know, in this area, like one carrier is great, but not there. And then this other area, another carrier is great, but not, you know, that sort of thing. You can, you can certainly leverage that kind of scenario too. Or if you need to balance the data between two different carriers, that's another way of doing it. So, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. What do you think, John? Hello? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll go with what you did. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. You want to take us to, uh, to Todd, my friend? Yes. Yes. All right. Todd says, uh, hold on. 
He'll get there. It it's one of those shows, man. I don't know. No, we're, no, I thought I was muted. Oh, no, you're not muted. I can hear you. Um, okay. So Todd asks, in Catalina in Disutility, when I select file, new image, blank image, see attached, the default selected format is macOS extended, journaled. Is this the best format for a DMG living on an APFS formatted SSD? Um, and th this may get a bit philosophical, um, but I think either of the non-case sensitive options would be okay, Dave, be it APFS or macOS extended journaled. Um, the only point I'd like to make is that from a liability standpoint, macOS extended is tried and true, whereas APFS is kind of a new kid on the block. So, yeah. Um, one of the other choices is size. So you can set the size. So, you know, of course, make sure that, um, you make it big enough for your needs. Um, there's also an encryption choice. Um, if the data is sensitive, encrypt it. Just keep in mind that encryption algorithms change over time. So, um, you know, I'll throw that into the pot there. Um, likewise for the format, if for archiving, you may want to, uh, so I think the default is read, write disk image. If you don't, if, if you're just doing, um, archiving, then you may want to not do read, write just because what if somebody finds your disk image and wants to screw it up? <laughs> oh, interesting. Huh? How, if it's yeah, we, we talked about this before. Um, but how do you so so riddle me this? If you make it read only, how do you write your data to it? I realize I might be missing something terribly obvious by asking this. Uh, I think uh, no, it's a uh, it's it's a menu. Uh, where is it? new image image from folder i think oh right you create i yes no, that's great yep you're right you you build it first and then burn it essentially mm -hmm. that's great that's good yeah 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 so that's what i got but you know just cool. um Cool. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's about it. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think you'd be fine with either. I would I would go not case sensitive. Uh, only use case sensitive if if you have some very specific. Yeah, that I, I, I know we've had multiple reports of that causing headaches for people. Yeah, but I, I would agree either APFS or, or, you know, HFS plus the Mac OS extended. I, I would. I'd probably go with APFS just in case I ever want to use, you know, voluming or uh, snapshots. I know Time Machine is using snapshots if it's in APFS, you know, so I probably would. Um, but I don't know. You, you know, it, I, I, I agree with you. You're right. Either one. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. Uh, listener Ben asks a, a question that sent you and me down a nice little path here, John. Ben says, uh, I've learned from you the potential of the potential value of NFC tags around the home. I haven't invested in any yet, but just had an idea I wanted to run by you first. I've started wearing an Apple watch and I regularly forget to manually start workouts. Uh, I'm so used to apps like Arc automatically tracking my movement and activities. 
to make it easier to remember, I wonder if I could put an NFC tag by the door where my bike and I exit the house and then just tap my watch to trigger a shortcut that starts a specific type of workout. So um, it, it, the, the answer is no, you can't do this with your watch because your watch doesn't support reading NFC tags, but your iPhone does. So the question then becomes, if I tap my iPhone to the tag, will this work? What do you think? And absolutely. Yeah, I, I created um, a, a shortcut to test to make sure that I could start an outdoor cycle workout, right, with open goal. And I, I did that in the Shortcuts app, and it's fine. So the Shortcuts app is fully capable of automating the beginning of that. Then it was time to see about NFC tags, but I didn't have any. So we ordered a couple of packs of NFC, NFC tags, you and me, John, didn't we? And um, these things are pretty cool. You, The way you use – John's dug more into the NFC part of it than me, but in terms of linking it with shortcuts um, – you launch the shortcuts app, you go to the middle tab or what's currently the middle tab labeled automations and you create a new automation. And one of the options as a trigger is an NFC tag. And when you add that, it says, well, scan your tag. And once you scan the tag, then you name it. And now that tag can be the thing that kicks off that automation. So a very personalized tag. In fact, you could have an automation on your phone that does one thing and, you know, like your partner or whatever could have an automation on their phone that does a different thing for the same tag when you leave and tap it by the door, which is pretty cool. So, but John, you dug deep into these NFC tags, which is exciting to me. I've been, I've been waiting for this moment. So, yeah. Yes. So first, so I already had one, Dave, though, actually it's kind of tiny and you got to get like really close to it. Um, Here's the here's the ones that uh that Dave got. Yeah, they're um, about the size of a quarter for Believe it or not, they actually have the same uh Yeah. Um and the thing is actually the the chip inside is actually the same vendor. I think it's NPX or something like that. Well, hold on. Um but then I I started getting annoyed. So well, not annoyed, but <clears throat> So I took the one tag that I already had and I created a shortcut. Um so but all these tags have a big long number that's like a serial number for it. This particular tag, because it's from a company called itag.com, also has a URL embedded in it. So what was kind of interesting is I did a shortcut, and I think the shortcut was show me the value of a particular stock that I'm holding. And it did that. And then it would come up and say, oh, do you want to go to itag.com? And it's like, um, because yeah, I don't know if I really want. So, uh, so the shortcut so for, was doing for, the shortcut and then the the URL that was embedded in the tag, not a URL on the shortcut, would also then fire. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Right. Okay. Then the other thing I wanted to do was see if I could find the serial number for, um, to find the serial number for this tag. And I couldn't figure out how to get a shortcut to display the serial number of the tag. I'm like, oh man. So um, I went online to see if I could get another program to do this. And um, I found one and it wouldn't read the tag. And then I found another one, Dave, and we're going to link to it here. Um, NFC for iPhone. So here was the fun part is that so this would read the tag and it would show me all sorts of interesting information about it. Here's what, um, 
here's what got me excited. So it showed the serial number uh, and some other things. And it said, type of tag, read, write. And I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, uh, and it turns out both of the tags that I have here are writable. So, uh, so this is a new feature, as far as I can tell, in iOS 14, in that your NFC reader is also an NFC writer. What? And this one program that I found allows you to create various, um, to embed various things in the tag. As we already mentioned, you can put a URL in the tag, but um, some of the other things it lets you do, Dave, is you can do a business card. So there's all these predefined data structures that the phone apparently knows about. So like one of them, Dave, was to create an SMS. And the info you put into it is, so I put your phone number for your iPhone and I put a message in there. And when I held the tag up to the phone, it went to messages and populated a message for you. I still had to send send manually. Maybe I can make it so it, it does it without my having to say send, send, but there are all sorts of predefined data structures. Um, again, a business card, um, a URL, uh, Wi-Fi was another one that I see. So you could have a, a NFC tag that you could give to somebody and it would, I, I guess, let them log into your Wi-Fi without revealing the password, right? Right. Unless they read the tag. Unless they read the tag. <laughs> yeah, but no, but that's a common use case for nfc is like you know i've seen that at conferences i want to say mac tech did that one year where it was like oh just you know hit your phone on the tag and and now you've got the wi-fi credentials and you're good to go so yeah yeah very cool wow okay i gotta play with this app i have not played with yeah, this app so yet. let's see Right. So let me see. Business card, shortcut, location, web link, Wi-Fi, text, telephone number, and SMS are the data types that this uh, program has. And uh, it supports in-app purchase in that it, I found it so useful that uh, so it's ad supported. So if, if you it'll do everything, but it'll show you ads. But if you throw them five bucks, the ads go away. Oh, nice. So I throw okay. five bucks. Cool. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. I like this. Yeah. No, it, it it was exciting because I I just I just never realized that the, the phone now is is a, a tag writer, not just a reader. Right, and I and somebody in the chat room said that they were even able to write tags with all the way back to their eight plus. So the phone has been an NFC device, I think, back to the eight range. I don't think before that, but maybe. But I think it was the iPhone ten R. That was the first device that would read a tag without you needing to launch an app to do so. Like it was, it was a, an always on reader, I, I guess is the way of, of thinking about it. So, um, mm. so yeah, no, that's, that's great. Very, very cool. Oh man. Fun stuff. All right, cool. Uh, should we go to Anand, John? Yes, I'm gonna re uh, resync us good here, John. Question, and we have a because uh, you and I are there is a, an audio a okay. noticeable delay, so I think I have resynced us. Are you uh, you able to hear me, my friend? Ah, uh, but I can't. Hello. Hear. Yeah, now you're you're out of sync. So go ahead and and reconnect, John, and and we'll um we'll we'll yeah. There you go. Perfect. There was a fun little sync issue. Welcome back, my friend. Hello. Hello. All right, um, Anand, 
has a question and we have an answer. Hello, gents. Anand here from Frigid Toronto. So likely a quick question. 2018 MacBook Pro, 128 gigabyte SSD. My photos library is taking up all my space. I want to move it to a Synology DS418 Play. Can I, should I host my photos library on my NAS? Um, the other traction for this is, wait, why did I, the question? I made it go this? away. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> That's my fault, man. <laughs> I, uh, put it back? I, I will put it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evidently, um, you can't put it back with, um, with what you call it with um with undo hold on I'll, i got it click, uh, i got it i got it it's back in it's back there john it should it should appear in in current show for you i was i was being efficient in ar archiving things in in evernote and i accidentally archived yeah. the question we were on so there you go yeah i don't see it all right. Well, I will read the question. You give the answer because by the time it comes oh, back. Wait, no, no, no. It's, you got it? Here okay. it is. Here it is. All right. Uh, the other attraction for this is that my wife has just gotten one of the M1 MacBook Airs. And so we now are a multi-laptop house, which makes sharing the library attractive. Thoughts? I'll give you a thought. Per Apple, they have an article called Move Your Photos Library to Save Space on Your Mac. And specifically... What it says is to prevent data loss, Apple doesn't recommend storing photo libraries on external storage devices like SD cards and USB flash drives or drives that are shared on a network, which is exactly what the Synology is. So the reply is don't do that. What they do suggest is you can store your library on an external storage device such as a USB or Thunderbolt drive formatted as APFS or Mac OS extended journal. Yeah. So that's what Apple has to say. Um, you, technically, I think you could do it, but as they say, especially if multiple people are accessing the same photo library, you're gonna likely screw it up. Yeah, I, I that's oh, just not the way it's built. So first of all, never set up a scenario where multiple people are accessing the same photo library. Now, I know that some of you have done this, but there's a massive asterisk on this. The only, and again, I'll say it. Do not share a photos library among multiple users, even if you're a geek. Now, the way you would do it is you would have two different user accounts. They would never be logged in at the same time. So turn off fast user switching and don't use them as your system library, a.k.a. for syncing iCloud photos, because you're just like there's so many potential worlds of hurt here. And you're almost certainly going to find yourself in at least one of them. So uh, so don't do this. Uh, it, it and and then also don't put your single user photo library on a NAS, not because of the sharing issues, but because of the issues of the way things work across the network with file sharing photos does not work with it. We have tried it here. We thought we were smarter than, than Apple and able to make it work. And it just constantly corrupted the library. Do not do it. Um, that's, that's my, those are my feelings. Thanks for coming to my Ted talk. Please subscribe to our mm -hmm. podcast. Now, I think what would work, Dave, is all right. So take Apple's advice and do, you know, an external Thunderbolt or USB drive. Um, does family sharing let, let other people look at the photo library? Um, not in the way that we would all want it to. You can share, like just like you and I could, 
you can share albums amongst friends and family members and, and all of that, mm -hmm. but it's not the same. Yeah. It, it would be nice if it were, this is where, this is one of the places where Apple's multi-user lack of good, robust multi-user cloud implementation, uh, it shines or doesn't shine. So, so there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it doesn't. They, I would like, I'm really hoping someday that we will get, like true family sharing of photos or at least some way to make that easier. I don't know. But if you have any ideas, feedback at MacKeyCab.com. Like if, if you've solved this problem, it's yet another one of these little holy grails. So, so. you heard them folks. Feedback at MacKeyCab.com. That is feedback at MacKeyCab.com. And now I'm going to archive this again, since I'm, I'm in practice mm -hmm. uh, and we will move on to what I think is going to be our last topic of the show which is from Jin who asks uh how do i connect and screen control to my parents mac mini uh on the other side of the country i have a macbook pro with uh you know, current running big sur i have used team viewer for free one troubleshoot episode a month maybe and now they're trying to charge me 60 bucks a month because i tell they tell me i'm using it for professional services i will pay for an application and certainly I will pay for this one if it is the best, but what's the best? So yeah, team viewer, I, I freaking hate team viewer. Now I, I used to like using it and I would use it for friends and family. And then like you, they came to me and they're like, you're paying, you know, you're a commercial user. You must pay. And it's like, yeah, cool. So I stopped using team viewer and I started using, but this is not my recommend TLDR. You're going to use zoom. That's the best thing. But I started using messages because Apple has their built-in screen sharing. And the way you do that is you open up messages. You, uh, you go to the person's name in the top of the messages window. Like, so you go to a message, you get texting with them, right? Then you go to their name and you hit the little drop down. That's where you can say like add to contacts and all that. Well, there is, there are two options. One is to ask to share the screen and the other is to invite to share the screen. And it starts a voice conversation at the same time that it starts an interactive screen sharing conversation. Both people have mouse control and it's great, but it's a little bit wonky sometimes and it doesn't always work. The reality is nowadays, almost everyone has zoom on their computer and of the, everybody who has zoom on their computer, almost everyone is really comfortable using it. So silver lining to the pandemic there's zoom the other silver lining is zoom in its free form allows for unlimited length conversations between two people as soon as you add the third and make it a group the free version limits you to 40 minute conversations but you're not talking about a group you're just talking about a one-on-one -on -one. so zoom for free is your answer and uh and it's so easy to share the screen Someone, it's just a big green button at the bottom of the uh, window. You choose to share it and then you can ask them to give you control or they can just grant you control and, and you're off to the races. Of course, you've got your audio and video chat going at the same time. So it's very interactive and, and super smooth. So we've, we've found it to be super, really, really the, the most friction free way of uh, sharing screens. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've been using anytime I, you know, have to help somebody, either a, you know, a Dave the Nerd client or family or friends or anything like that. So, so, yep. Zoom is the way to go. 
That's what, that's what I like to use. Google meet will do it too. And meet actually happens in the browser. So, you know, if you want to do that, but zoom, I don't know. Zoom's just super easy. So what do you use John these days? <clears throat> yeah, I tried when I was trying to support uh, the issue on the failing parent yeah. computer. And, um, and at one point, um, I had also set up TeamViewer, but it kept complaining that it was too old and I, I couldn't find the updated version. So I just gave up on that. Then I recall, um, and I don't know, I, I don't know if iCloud is set up on my parents' machine properly. No, I think it is because I'd be able, I was able to FaceTime to her machine. Okay. But, um, yeah. Uh, but I think through messages, you can do a remote. That's what control, I said. Right. That's what I said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was, but it's wonky. Yeah, no, it's totally, yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 I, messages I have found to be, you know, you, you click the invite somebody and sometimes they never see the invite and, and vice versa. Right. It's so zoom. Yeah, I think that's the problem I had is I wasn't able to figure out how to, all right, right. Yeah. I sent an invite to her Apple ID and it, and it never arrived. Never arrived. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 Yep. No, Zoom is Zoom is the way to go. We've been we've been really happy with it. So yeah. Yeah, iCloud and I had I was having iCloud weirdness last night too, in that I was getting messages on my phone, but they weren't appearing in um uh in messages on my computer. Or if I restarted or like quit and then started it up again, then it would yeah. they would be there. The 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 messages don't always get to the cloud in a timely fashion. And I don't think it's the cloud. I think it's the messages app on the Mac. Was this on your Big Sur machine or your Catalina machine? Big Sur. Interesting. I I, I haven't seen this that I know of on Big Sur, but I know with mm. Catalina many times it would be like, oh crap, messages is out of sync. And I would just quit messages mm. and relaunch. And everything would, would like rejigger and repopulate mm -hmm. and everything was fine. So yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's what we got time for this week, my friends. That's where we're at. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for hanging with us through our, I'll call them technical difficulties. Although we, we really didn't have any technical difficulties, did we? Except maybe our little out of sync thing. But, um, but mostly it was just we had tongue twister difficulties and just couldn't make things happen. Errors between the keyboard and the microphone, we will call it. So there you go. Uh, you got anything else to share, John, before we head on our way? Nope. All right. Well, then it's time to head on our way. Thanks for listening, folks. Make sure you uh, tell a friend about the show. We would love that. Or if you want to review it, MacGeekUp.com slash reviews. In fact, we would love that too. Uh, and check out our premium program at MacGeekUp.com slash premium. I do want to take a minute here and thank our recent contributions to our premium program. Uh, again, like, like I said, you can learn about that at MacGeekUp.com slash premium. It is for those of you who wish to contribute directly to the show. Listening is the best thing that you can do. Absolutely. Visiting our sponsors, even just their, visiting their URLs and checking out their products, that's another great thing that you can do. Uh, whether you buy from them or not, that's between you and them. Uh, but listening, sending in your questions, sharing the show with your friends, that truly is the best thing that you can do. However, the premium program is a vibrant and very important part of what happens here. And if you're able to contribute and you like to, please do so. 
Thanks to Dave from Saugerties, Wesson, G, I don't know where DeWesson's from, and that's okay. Uh, Jeff from Chesterston, Mark from Centennial, Alan from Montgomery, Bill from Duxbury, Stuart from uh, Stuart M from Parts Unknown, James from Melville, John from Enrico, Joseph from Marietta, Frank from Tunbridge, Kirshen from I can't Iowa, I want to say, Michael from Bristol. Michael from Concord, Walter from Kansas City, Robert from Columbiana, Fernando from Cincinnati, Stephen from Plainfield, Barry from everywhere that he travels to, Martin from way over there, Jonathan from Parts Unknown, and Stephen from Costa Mesa. You all rock. So thank you for your contributions. We really, really appreciate it. And that's what we got. Make sure to check out uh, all our sponsors. As I said, we had uh, textexpander.com slash podcast, candidco.com slash MGG, cool stuff there, headspace.com slash MGG, helixsleep.com slash MGG, minmobile.com slash MGG. Save yourself a bunch of money. Have some fun. Always be performing. Wait, no, that's the other podcast I do. What is it that we say here, John? What's the important piece of advice that we like to share? Don't get caught. That's it. That's it. That's it. Don't get caught. Wait, we can say that with more code. <laughs>